0: Alright, it's 9 o'clock, I'm going to go ahead and get started for today um, because we're going to you know, read the entire chapter 119 today, so it's going to take us a while. Just kidding, just kidding. We probably won't get to 119, but I wanted you to read 119 because it's connected to chapter 1 and chapter 19. So it, it wasn't accidental and I wasn't trying to be malicious by asking you to read 119, but it was intentional. Um, So uh, let me pray for us, get us and get us started for today. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for Christ. Father, we pray that you will convict us of the things that we know we've done wrong. And Father, bring to our minds the things that we've done wrong that we don't know about. Because we are deceitful even to ourselves. Father, help us to see Christ through Psalms and understand how great our salvation really is. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're getting into Psalms, and I'm going to be honest. um, When I started preparing for this, and they were talking about what to study for Sunday school. I'm like, let's do Psalms. Psalms will be easy compared to last time. (laughs) Well, let's just say it's not as easy as it appears. Um, What are reasons that people read Psalms? Comfort. Comfort. Encouragement. Encouragement. Hope. Hope. Are these all good reasons? Sure. Sure. Is it the best reason? Do you ever read the Psalms looking for Christ? Remember, He is called the Word of God. Aren't the Psalms part of the Word of God? So we should be able to see Christ in the Psalms. But, you know, when I first started preparing for this, one of the things that I thought about was, how do you look at the book of Psalms? And uh, I gave a book to Jimmy Hubbard uh, a couple of weeks ago um, on the imprecatory Psalms, the, the war Psalms. And uh, I, made, I actually gave him a copy, and I kept a copy for myself, and I started reading through it. And the author brings something out really important that I had never considered, a three-way, of, three-way um Three ways of looking through the Psalms, and they're all part of the same idea. So this is what I'm going to walk you through today, and then we're going to follow this pattern as we meditate through the Psalms over the next 12 weeks. Okay? So we're not probably not going to get into 119. I am going to reference 119 a lot. Um, We're going to work through one. We're going to work through 19. Um, But before that, I want you to. I want to read chapter 1, and then, so turn to Psalms 1, and while you're doing that, put your finger in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Sounds like an odd place to go, doesn't it? But hopefully you'll you'll pick that up as soon as we make this transition. So put your finger in Psalms 1, put your finger in Deuteronomy 27. So Psalm 1, here we go. Now my version, I'm using a different version than most of you, so it's, it may sound a little different, so bear with me on that. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish now you heard some different language in there first of all probably one of the things you picked up on really fast was in verse 2 i said but his delight is in the law of yahweh most of yours probably read lord capitalized across the across the page okay we're going to come back to that because it's really important but i want you to pick up on something else verse 1 starts with blessing right Verse 4, the wicked are not so. Not so what? Not so blessed. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, we're not going to read 27, 28, 29, 30, but I need you to see this progression. Okay? We're in the end of Deuteronomy. What's happening here is Moses is meeting with God who is meeting with the people as they get ready to enter the promised land. And this is what he says in verse 1 of chapter 27. Then Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep the entire commandment, which I am commanding you today. And then from 2 to 11, he goes through the process by which they are to demonstrate that. Verse 12. When you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. And he lists six of the tribes, verse 13. For the curse, these will stand on Mount Ebal. And he names the other six tribes. So, this covenant that God has with Israel is blessing and curse. 28, chapter 28, verses 1 to 14. Are the blessings of obedience. Verses 15, I'm sorry, 1 to 14, 15 to 68 are the curses. Do you see the difference? You have to understand the covenant that David was thinking about in his mind when he wrote this. Blessings and cursings. Obedience and disobedience. Now, interestingly, if we go back, and that's all for Deuteronomy, I wanted to point that out so that's fresh in your mind because the Psalms we look at through three lenses. The first lens is the covenant. The covenant that David was mindful of when he wrote majority of the Psalms that he wrote. That's the first piece. But think of it this way. Chapter, uh, verse 2, let's go back to Psalm chapter 1. Verse 2 says, um, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. The word that translates in your Bible, Lord, and in my Bible, Yahweh, is the Hebrew word Yahweh. First appearing Genesis chapter 4. When people start to seek the way of Yahweh. And it's brought to focus in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is at the burning bush and he's talking to the Lord, to God, and God says, you will say to the people, Yahweh, the God of your fathers. It's God's covenant name. That is not an accident. He could have used the Hebrew word Elohim, which is used from... Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, every time it mentions the word God. But it doesn't. It uses the word Yahweh, God's covenant name. That's important. So reading through the Psalms, every place, and and I have a Bible version that translates Transliterate, so it doesn't transfer it to Lord. My Bible says Yahweh every time in the book of Psalms. But you need to start reading it this way. Every time you see Lord, all capitals, in the Psalms when you're reading, you need to be thinking of the covenant keeper, the covenant maker, the God who is a keeper of covenants, that covenant going back to Abraham. And my Bible, the the version that I use when it references covenants, it says he cut the covenant. If you go back to the covenant that God made with Abraham, what did he do? He cut the animals in half and split them apart. And what's supposed to happen in the covenant is the two people walk through together saying that if I break this covenant, make me like one of these animals. But what happened? God made Abraham go to sleep and he alone walked through. These are important things that you have to have in your mind when you start going through the Psalms and you start seeing the name of Yahweh repeated and repeated again and repeated again. If you read through Psalm 119, you're going to notice that Yahweh shows up a lot, doesn't he? And that's important. So we have to look at the covenant name of who God is. He is Yahweh, the covenant keeper. We have to look at the covenant that he gives, the blessings, the blessings and the cursings. But then we have to look at this through the eyes through the eyes of a New Testament believer. David had the Torah. That's all that he had. He was looking at the picture of everything that he was he was giving through the inspiration of the spirit. He was looking at that through just what he's been given. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. We are not so handicapped. As New Testament believers, we look at the Psalms not only through the Old Testament, which we do not ignore, but we also look at it through the lens of the New Testament. And you have to read. You cannot go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the life of Christ and say that all the Psalms weren't important because he quotes from the Psalms 56 different times. Most of the time, He's quoting a psalm that's referencing him. So we have to look at the psalms, secondly, through the eyes of a New Testament believer who sees Christ as as Mark Moore used to say, the crimson line that goes through the entire Bible. Okay? That crimson line very elegantly flows through the book of Psalms. And you can't miss that. You can't ignore that. You can't forget that. The last piece is our cultural view of it. So this was written by David from an Old Testament lens. We see it through Christ with a New Testament lens. And then how does that apply to today for us? So these are the three ways as we work through these meditations. These are the three things that we need to keep in mind. And and I'm going to walk through this with you. I, I had a conversation with Gil. I think it was last week, about meditating on the Psalms. And I felt, I felt the best way to, to do these lessons is to meditate on the Psalms, to walk through it the way every time you read the Psalms, you should be walking through it. So We're going to go slow. We're going to take this a piece at a time. Some pieces we're going to move past. Some pieces we're going to stick on for a little bit. So I want you to be mindful of that. So turn back to Psalm chapter 1 if you are not having already. So how blessed is the man? Blessing, if you think back to the, the covenant, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28, blessing requires obedience. So when you read how blessed is the man, the first thing that you should be thinking of is that man is obedient. Who does not, and it's interesting, the, 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 the Hebrew way of writing does one, a couple of different things. And you're going to notice both of them in this psalm. One thing it does is take the smallest, smaller to the greater. So it's, it's this way. Oh, uh, yeah, it's this way. It's a little bit bigger. Oh, yeah, it's this way. It's even bigger. The other thing is the contrast. It's this way, and it's not this way. You'll notice in Psalm 1, he does both. Here it is. The blessed blessed man is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stand in the way of sinners, that's the next level up. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers, that's the next level up. love. We're going to talk about that. But it, verse 4 says, the wicked are not so. So, blessing, cursing. So, he's given us both ways that when we read through Hebrew literature, a lot of these things are presented to us. So, What does it mean to not walk in the counsel of the wicked? When it talks about walk, it's talking about your daily travel. Day by day, by month, by month, by year, by year. Do you find yourself in the presence of the wicked? Do you spend your time with the wicked? Do you just to the evil things that are going on around you? the people you hang out with whatever it's it's you know they're unbelievers we got to expect that do you walk in the counsel of the wicked the danger is it doesn't stay there do you stand in the way of sinners you're no longer walking now you're stopping and you're listening you're standing there you're 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 listening and nodding means that you've bought in to what the wicked are doing. You, you, you may not actually do it yourself, but it's not something you're trying to avoid. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In the, in the Old Testament, the person who sits is the person who teaches. So you're no longer just walking with them. You're no longer listening. You're teaching the wrong way. So daily path. You are not blessed if your daily path is in the path of the wicked. You are not blessed. If you are standing and giving agreement to the the, the sinful things that are being discussed. You are not blessed if you are teaching those things. But, such a great word. His delight is in the law of Yahweh. This is where I wanted you to read Psalm 119. Do you understand the law of Yahweh? The law of the Lord. Do you get it? Do you understand it? When we get to chapter 19, we're going to talk a little more about that. But his delight is in the law. Do you delight in the word? Do you find delight here? Are you walking with the wicked? Are you standing with sinners? Are you sitting with scoffers? You will not have delight in this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. And I've said this before. um, When you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep, where's your thoughts go? Don't think that God, that God is uh, uh, out of control when you wake up and can't go back to sleep. Well, I am thinking about this, and I am thinking about that, and you are focusing on this. His delight is in the law of Yahweh, and he meditates on it day and night. Uh, there was a there was a quote by. Uh, J.H. McKellis, I think W.S. Plummer uh, wrote this down. Meditation is to be pursued day and night, not reluctantly, but joyously, not merely in God's house or on the Lord's day, but whenever other duties do not forbid with such incessant study that even when the act ceases, There's no abatement of the pious affection. So the idea is this. When you wake up at night and you can't sleep and there's a hundred things roaming through your head, do you force your mind to the law of the Lord? Do you search out His commandments, His statutes, His precepts, His words, His ways? I just gave you almost all of the different ways that Psalm 119 talks about the word. That's what the blessed man does. The blessed woman does. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. This, as for a New Testament believer, your mind should immediately jump to the New Testament that says that we, as wild olive branches, have been grafted into the vine, the vine that's already planted. Who is the one who was planted that we are grafted into? Christ. He is the tree firmly planted by water. Which yields its fruit in season. Catch the order here. Yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Well, John, which comes first? The the leaf or the fruit? As As the... the leaf. John's the one that gardens regularly, so he would know better than most of us. What comes first? The leaf, right? But what's this thing? What's the evidence that you are a blessed person? The fruit is the evidence. Think about when Jesus... In the Gospels, was walking with his disciples, was hungry, went to the fig tree. All it had was leaves no fruit, and he cursed it. What do you think is going to happen to the one that looks good, but there's no fruit? Do you, do you see how we're connecting what's being said in Psalms to what we know in the New Testament? These are not accidents, folks you're seeing how Christ is pulled through the Psalms to where we see Him in the Gospels. Now, there are some Psalms that are directly speaking about Christ. There are some Psalms that are not directly speaking about Christ. Psalm 51 comes to mind. Psalm 42 comes to mind, both of which you've had teaching on in the last year. Psalm 51 is the repentance psalm, That's not directly Christ speaking. It's David repenting. Psalm 42 is that, where are you, God, in the midst of my suffering? But has Christ ever sounded like that? The garden of Gethsemane? If it your will take this away from me, not my will but yours. And it wasn't taken away. Psalm 42, in the eyes of what Christ has done in in, in the New Testament. So the fruit is important. The leaf is important. But without the fruit, the leaf means nothing. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Who is the obvious example of Psalm 1, 2, and 3? Have you got it yet? Who is it? Christ, yes. Christ is that example. And we are to be like Christ. The wicked are not so. Verse 4. See, you have to understand the history of what happened before. You have to understand what's going on in the New Testament for this psalm to come alive to you. It requires work, folks. It requires study. It requires listening to people that know a whole lot more than you do. I should know. I've been listening to a lot of people this week that know a whole lot more than I do. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Now think of the curses from from the covenant. Think of the curses. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Where's chaff come from? Okay, so on a normal day in a wheat field, where's the chaff? It's with the wheat, right? Right? And on a normal day, when the field's being watered by God's rains and it's being nourished by the nutrients coming up from the ground, the common grace of God is given to both the chaff and the wheat. And sometimes it looks like the chaff is getting bigger than the wheat, is growing more abundant than the wheat. Think of the world we live in right now. And the evil that seems to be just growing around us at an exponential rate. But hear the promise. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. When the wheat is harvested, the wheat and the chaff are put in the same location. They throw the wheat up. The kernels fall back down and the wind blows the chaff away. What is that? picturing well what's happened to get to that point the wheat has been harvested at the point when the wheat is harvested the chaff is also harvested and in that harvesting comes the separation death will come to all the wheat and the chaff And we can look forward to what's promised here. The wicked will not rise in the judgment. Who else is in the judgment? For not, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The righteous and the unrighteous will both go to stand before God. And the unrighteous, who now may be spitting in the face of God, will kneel before God the Father. They will kneel. They will not rise. For Yahweh, that covenant-keeping God, blessing and cursing, knows the way of the righteous. Now, this is important because when we get to, um, we get to Psalm 119, I'm going to start pointing out some things and you're going to have to go, go back and look this up. Yahweh knows the way Of the righteous. Words here are important. But the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. Are you discouraged by the fact that people around us who are evil, utterly evil, seem to be getting away with it? The way of the wicked will perish. The word way in Psalm 119 Verse 1, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. Verse 3, they also do not work unrighteousness that walk in Yahweh's ways. Verse 5, oh may my ways be established to keep your statutes. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. Verse 26, I have recounted my ways and you have answered me. Verse 27, teach me your statutes. Make, my, make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will muse on your wondrous deeds. Verse 30, verse 32, verse 33, verse 59, verse 101. As you go through Psalm 119, the way of the righteous that Yahweh knows and the way of the wicked will perish is laid out for you. What does that way look like? Psalm 119. Turn to chapter nineteen. All right, the science teacher and me goes yay for verses one to six. Okay. <laughs> The heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse is declaring the works of His hands. What's the point of this entire first six verses? He's the Creator. He's the creator and what's being displayed? His glory is being displayed. Does, does, does this verse drag your mind to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 1. The things that God has created so that you are without excuse. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Now, pours pours forth speech. Verse 3, there is no speech and there are no words and their voice is not heard. We're talking about the things that God has made. There's no language there. But it doesn't change the fact that they speak to us. What do they speak to us about? Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. Doesn't matter where you go on this planet. You can't get away from the glory of God. Pam and I were looking at videos and Sean and I were looking at videos last night. Because we're planning a trip to Montana with my family in, in the summer. And we were looking at all these different things you can do in Montana and Idaho and, and, and South Dakota because Pam and I are crazy enough to drive out there. Um, but to see some of the pictures, the mountains, the vast prairies, to see God's glory in, on display, how can somebody look at that and go, oh, no, there's no God? In them that he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegrooming coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Have you seen someone who's really good at running? And they like it? That's a strong man. Uh, I'm not going to be running anywhere. If you see me running, you better be running. But there are some people that love it they they have a strength that i will never possess its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end and there's nothing hidden from its heat okay this is not people are like oh this isn't science science proves that the, the, the earth revolves around the sun this isn't this isn't a scientific fact this is perspective from where you are standing it looks like the sun's going from there to there it's perspective and a lot of people want to talk about that nothing is hidden from its heat, the, 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 especially in the desert, the, 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 the drying out and the scorching heat. But that's not the point. The point is, is you can't go anywhere without being affected by it. All of life on earth is in motion because of the sun. From a science perspective, all of life on earth is in motion because of the sun. If the sun didn't shine, so many processes would not function. You can't get away from its heat. This is what some would call natural revelation. But natural revelation does not save. But it points you to the glory of God. Now, verse 7 to 14. I'm going to take this a piece at a time. I need to move quick here. The law of Yahweh is perfect. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure. Oh, wow. The law, you guys know what a law is, right? Of the covenant keeper is perfect. No mistakes. No, well, I didn't think of that when I made that law, as we often hear from, from Congress, right? I didn't take that into consideration. His law's perfect. And what's the point of his law? It, how many laws that you go through on a day-to-day basis restore your soul? This law restores your soul. The law of Yahweh, verse chapter 119, 29 times, excuse me, 24 times it talks specifically about the law of Yahweh. The other second half of seven, the testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of Yahweh. God as witness, that's what testimony means, is sure. If God is your witness, nothing can change that. Making wise the simple. We're not talking about the ignorant who chooses to be ignorant. We're talking about the simple-minded, the one who doesn't know, but wants to know. 22 times found in the book of 119. Chapter 119. Verse 8, the precepts of Yahweh are right. Precepts here also translated statutes. If you go to the book of uh, chapter 119, precepts is found 21 times, statutes is found 20 times. The statutes, the precepts of Yahweh are right. There are laws in our country at some point that have been legal that were wrong. There are laws right now in this country that are wrong, even though it's legal. You can have faith and confidence that the precepts of Yahweh are right, always. And rejoices the heart. You can have joy in knowing that what God has said will always be right. The commandment of Yahweh is pure. 22 times in the book of chapter 119. Commandments found 22 times. It's pure. There's no flaw, no mistake, no error, no sin, nothing. It is pure, enlightening the eyes. When you see something absolutely pure, For those of you that are grandparents, first time you see that grandbaby, enlightens your eyes, doesn't it? And that baby is not pure. As Vody Bakum likes to say, it's a viper in a diaper. <laughs> right? But if that's what seeing that infant does to our eyes, can you imagine what the perfect, pure law of God does for your heart? The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. That's interesting. Fear of Yahweh is never mentioned in 119. However, it is mentioned in Psalm 111.10. Proverbs 8.13, Proverbs 9.10, Proverbs 10.27, Proverbs 15.33, Proverbs 19.23. And if you don't understand the fear of Yahweh and what that means to you, come get those verses from me and look them up. Because it's plain to see what the fear of Yahweh is. And it endures forever. The last one, judgments of Yahweh are true. And they are righteous altogether. Found 20 times in chapter 119. So that's well over 150 references to the Word of God in chapter 119. And you're like, well, you know, I just, I just don't know how to do this. Have you read 119? Have you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. I was thinking about a verse today. And this is what I'm talking about. 176 verses in Psalm 119. I'm going to give you one. And i am going to walk through you the way I was thinking through this today. 57. Yahweh is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. If you do nothing else but one verse of 119 every day and think about that verse, meditate on that verse each day. You'll have gone through the entire book of Psalm 119 twice in a year. Yahweh is my portion. I have promised to keep your word. Or yours might say, I have said I will keep your word. Yahweh, the covenant name of the creator of the universe. Yahweh, the one who is my savior, my shepherd. My Lord and Master, this is the one who is my portion. What does that mean? My portion, something that you claim. My Savior allows me to claim him as my covenant-keeping God. And because of that, I will. Keep your words. Not that that made that saves me. That should drive you to want to keep his words. Meditate on one verse this week as you prepare for next week's three chapters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Psalms. Uh, Thank you for opening our eyes. Opening our eyes to your covenant to Christ and the new covenant that he has provided for us and how all of this can be seen as we read through the book of Psalms. Father, keep this fresh in our minds and our hearts. Help us to meditate on a psalm this week to be reminded of who you are and who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.